0: listening to the Auxiliary Gate Podcast, Kentucky's weekly horse racing discussion. And now, here are your hosts, Alan Schneider, Hard times. The are out of work, and they tell them, Go home. Brandon Jaggers, Brandon,
1: t- you should have listened to CC.
0: Jeff Riggs, He's
2: a redneck!
0: and me, CC Broaddus. Let's see if we can hook up with it right now. The Auxiliary Gate,
1: big promise. In the butt and say hey a computer took your place
0: daddy hello friends romans and countrymen this is cc brought us for auxiliary gate podcast number 161 i'm joined by the american dream alan schneider
1: what's up my man you Ameri- oh it's my cue okay well i'm still throwing back but a moment ago you told me that i had kind of a factory mouth that i might be i might be the most off-color one of the four of us. Is that, is that fair to say? Is that, is that true, uh, do you think?
0: I, I used to work with a lady a long time ago. We, she lasted on the job about two weeks at the bank, and she said she had a f- severe case of factory mouth. I thought that might be a condition.
1: Uh, that, I'm, I've got it. I've got it pretty bad. You, and I work yeah. in an office now, so I really got to watch it. Okay. But uh, I fall short a lot, and, also, and I'm old.
0: Also joined – by the lovely and talented Jeff Riggs. Jeff, glad you could join us again. Yes, sir. Thank you very much. You know,
3: Alan may be the American dream, but I am living the dream getting to do this with you guys every week.
1: Man, thank you. I might, I might refocus my <laughs> dreams a little bit and maybe aim higher, but thanks. Bar. <laughs> the bar is low. The bar is
0: low. Uh, let's start off with our, uh, top story. You guys know what Tinder is, right? You know what uh, Tinder, like the app?
1: Oh, I thought you meant Tinder. Oh, or, yeah. Like the shin on my hands. No,
0: no, no. The Tinder, T-I-N-D-E-R. Tinder uh, is coming up with a new app or a new program. It's called Tinder Select. It's a $499 per month plan for Tinder's 1%. Now, that would be me. Okay. You guys necessarily wouldn't qualify. But oh. It, yeah, it's what, Tinder's new high-end plan says it will improve your chances with the most sought-after users, and let you message people you're not matched with. So you can pay $499 per month, and that will get you exclusive access to let the most beautiful people see your text messages.
1: Really? So, uh, I mean, do they like dad puns? Uh, Do they like guys who wear, like, uh, pajama pants and hey dudes? Because I mean, maybe I can get in for two ninety nine or something. What do you
0: think? Auto workers, this is straight up an auto workers alley because it's a you know they make all the jack. So,
1: <laughs> UAW.
0: <laughs> yeah, you could uh you could afford this certainly. I don't know. I, I at at what point what point do you draw the line? Five hundred dollars is pretty steep, but I like I said, it's for the top one percent. So people like like I'm a I'm more of an Arby's guy. Tell me more about the, the messaging people without matching thing. That, that just doesn't seem like it'd have a real high success rate to me. Look, I mean, it's all about access, right? I mean, <laughs> I don't know. This, this is, it's, it's a new world. I heard Tinder was kind of fading anyway. A lot of, you know, a lot of people are out of the dating market right now. Maybe they're all afraid of World War three.
1: Yeah. As they should which be is and pending, stuff. which is pending. Mm. We'll,
0: we'll, we'll bring that up in a, in a later pod, but, uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, for our top 1% of, of our listeners, uh, we're looking out for you. Keep that in mind. Uh, before we get to our guest, and of course, Brandon Jaggers is going to join us here hopefully shortly to, uh, to help us interview our, our special guest this evening. But before we get to that, I going to talk about the Breeders Cup real quick. Breeders Cup's uh, two and a half weeks away, I think on the calendar, right up on us. Uh, uh, you know, one of the top days on the racing calendar or top weekends, but uh, man, it's uh, outside of the classic. It's kind of it's kind of dull this year, don't you think? Is there anything to, to look
1: forward to? Um, I haven't paid a lot of attention. I won't lie; to you. it has really snuck up on me. It, when they're in California, it's in California. It doesn't it? Doesn't do as much for me as you guys know. I probably have a bit of a bias, right? That uh, I'm, I'm a East Coast player, as uh, the kids said back in the day, Uh I mean, I'll still pay attention to it. I, I It's not as – I'm not dying to watch it. I will tell you that someone – we have a guest come up in a, in a minute whose horses – those are the ones – I'm excited to see his horse, we'll talk about that here shortly because I think he's got some – he's got one real live one. Uh But, you know, I know the classics kind of – I, I just haven't paid – I'm just not that excited about it this year. I'm sure I'll, I'll keep an eye on it. You?
0: Well, I mean, I'm into it every single year, but like last year you had Flightline coming into the race and everybody was buzzing about him and it it turned out to be a really, really fun day this year. It's like, uh, you know, you, you know, the Europeans are going to come over and dominate might have some Japanese coming over and dominate, but those, those aren't household names around here. And I I assume we'll get Cody's wish in the mile. And I assume that we will get, uh, uh, is it Tamra or Tamara? Tamara, the uh, the mm-hmm. daughter of beholder in the juvenile phillies That 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 would be fun. I don't know of a lot of really. I mean, the, the juvenile division, the two-year-old colt division is not really strong. Uh, and yet,
1: you're going to bet every race, aren't you? You absolutely right. I'm going <laughs> to yeah, bet exactly. the hell out of it. I'm going <laughs> to
0: bet the hell out of it. But still, you know, it's not. It, it reminds me. I don't. It's a long time ago. I remember. Nine, I think it was 1999 when Cat Thief won the Classic. I think that was a. Really, really, a boring day of racing. Uh, De Lamy, seems like Daylami won the, the turf and, and outside of that, it was just it was not a lot, not a lot going on, but obviously we'll pay attention to the, to the local hopes. Anybody from Kentucky, uh, that's, uh, it's going to send some, uh, some horses out there. Brad Cox will uh, be, uh, the one to watch, of course, with his stable, but, uh, you know, it's, uh, I don't know. Jeff, what do you think? Uh, could you name five horses that's going to race? Uh, on the card outside of the classic, I was going to say outside the classic, I don't think so. But um,
3: I do think it's probably even though we don't necessarily have that those those superstars coming in like we have in the past couple years, I do think it could be some good betting races throughout the two days. Uh, I am specifically interested in the the juvenile Phillies and the Juvenile Phillies Turf and um I know our guest here in a minute ha- is gonna have one in the in the juvenile Phillies turf that I think has a lot of potential in uh, in Buku. But um yeah, I'm just I'm just gonna wait for some wagering opportunities on on over the two days and as you guys said I, I will definitely be playing regardless of of what the races look like. Use every euro
0: in the turf races. <laughs> Well, I'd say they could run cockroaches next, uh, in two weeks. And I bet, I bet the hell out all of them anyway. Th- there is a horse. I don't know if he's going to come over or not. His name's city of Troy and he's a son yeah. of Justify and he, they, they've kind of dropped that he's the next Frankel. Mm-hmm. He's, do- he's dominated the, the, the two year old ranks over there in England.
1: I so, can't imagine he'd come over this quickly. Didn't he just win last weekend as, I'm, he, as I recall?
0: Yeah. But you know, the, even O'Brien, he, the, he's no stranger to a short turnaround. So, you know, if this horse does come over. That'd be really fantastic, but yeah, you, you could be right. They just may put him on ice and bring him back for the 2000 guineas next year over there. But, uh, that, that would be a name worth watching. Of course, I think they could bring their, their C team over and probably win our turf races here. So yeah, anyway,
1: will there be any breeders cup podcast? Do you think any horse racing? podcast you think they'll do any breeders cup podcasts next well, how many
0: do you want to do we could do like three or four ourselves
1: uh, well <laughs> that will that will just add to the gumbo of the 748 breeders cup pick fives that people put out there and stuff so i don't know we'll see we'll see but they'll be out there
0: <laughs> i'll reach out to jj highsell how about that
1: well she does know she uh does know more than the average player that's for sure we love jj yes
0: absolutely okay uh, let's get to our guest, a uh, very, very special guest. We're excited to have him with us and, uh, give us just a second. We'll be right back.
3: All right. We are very excited to introduce our guest tonight. If you follow major North American horse racing and hear names like Played Hard and Kijera and Buku, uh, you know we're talking about possibly the hottest trainer on the planet right now. And even more importantly, a fellow Sanex High School grad And Phil Bauer. How are you doing tonight, Phil?
4: Doing great. Thanks for having me on.
3: Absolutely. Thanks for joining us. Uh, you know, before we kind of dive into talking horses, I know you're a Louisville guy and you're a big Louisville sports fan. Uh, how about the job that Brown's doing with the football team right now?
4: You know, it, it's it's a lot of fun to watch. Certainly coming coming off a little bit of a disappointment, but um, the, uh, the Notre Dame game, the atmosphere that was there just reminded you of the old times when we were rolling. So certainly... Um, he, he caught lightning in a bottle and, and, and got things rolling. So fun to watch, and maybe he can give some tips to Kenny.
3: <laughs> for sure, it's been exciting for the city. You know, six and one bowl eligible already. A uh, couple more big opportunities to bolster the resume. I think he's you know he's been really good for the program and getting that excitement going in the city again for uh, for the football team. Uh, moving on to the horses a little bit. I'm sure growing up in Louisville had something to do with it, but how did you uh, get into racing?
4: I, um, you know, I think it's a contagious, infectious bug or whatever that bites you. But when I was um, growing up, my grandfather had a farm uh, out in Wee Valley, and he had a couple cheap mares that he bred and then raced the offspring at River Downs and Turfway Park. So I would go to the races with him and, um, you know, just was – ate up with it he um i remember going to his house and um for just you know holiday events and whatnot and he would i would always leave there with all the old blood horse articles that he didn't want it magazines he didn't want anymore and and um you know just it was one of those things that was always back at the barn would would help feed help take them to the paddocks and stuff like that just kind of surrounded myself um, with it as best I could there. And then, um, you know, I think it was just one of those things that people said, what do you want to do when you grow up? I said, well, I want to train racehorses. How? I didn't know. (laughs) But um, it was – that's kind of how I uh, was introduced to it.
3: Very cool. Very cool. Um, so Phil Bauer and Rigney Racing may be the most recognizable, you know, trainer owner combo going right now. Can you talk a little bit about, uh, your relationship with Richard Rigney and why you think it's such a successful team with you guys?
4: You know, Richard, um, he is, I don't, I, I think he's a one of a kind person, um, just very caring and, and, um, generous. I think. You know, he offered me a private training position just over ten years ago and there were many occasions that um people approached him and, and you know, early on we struggled a little bit. We tried to figure out how we wanted to do things and started buying horses on our own and whatnot and uh you know, it just just wasn't clicking like, like things are now, so there were some hard times early on and, and people recognized it and, and people tried to, um, tried to approach, approach him and, and basically say, Hey, you got to get rid of this guy. He's no good. And, and, <laughs> you know, he, he, uh, he had plenty of opportunities to turn the page and he didn't, you know, he said, I'm sticking with Phil. And, um, through those 10 years, our friendship has grown extremely close and, um, I think what doesn't kill you make you stronger and you know it's been it's been a lot of fun the last few years to 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 compete at the level we've competed at And, and you can see and there's a sense of pride now and um he's just he's changed the way things we approach things and whatnot as opposed to changing the people in place and I think horse racing boils down to the horse and um He's figured out a way to filter really good horses in and out of that barn year in and year out. The last few, and it's made a world of difference. And, uh, oh yeah, they're very, very, um, very happy for him because a lot, of, a lot of people wouldn't wouldn't do that. You know, they'd turn the page, and then eventually things would probably work out because they'd eventually run across the right horses. So very fortunate he stuck with me, and you know he believed in me, and that that means the world.
3: Well, you're obviously very talented and good at what you do and that, that uh faith that he had is paying off with you winning at twenty four percent this year and your 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 purse money earnings have gone up every year since you've been training. So, I mean, the sky's the limit for you guys. You're still uh, going on an upward trajectory for sure. And I mean, we feel fortunate to talk to you anytime, but especially right now with Breeders' Cup coming up, it's got to be an exciting time. I mean, Buku looked awesome making the big sweeping move to take the Jessamine to Keeneland just what it was about a week and a half ago, two weeks ago. Uh, can you talk about a little bit about her progression and, um, uh, what you think her, her chances are?
4: Yeah, you know, it, um, it's, it's kind of funny because, you know, you got two-year-olds in the spring, and obviously, you know, you, I guess a long-term goal is the Breeders' Cup, so, you know, you start to get to know them and, and whatnot, and she she was a homebred that we ran through the September sale, she was a little short in the leg, and, you know, just not an overpowering physical, so we we put a reserve on her that we thought was fair and nobody wanted to go to it so we kept her uh, knowing that we had the mare it was her first foal and, and we could dictate maybe the best fortune for the offspring so um, we got her um, bit, saw her a few times down in Ocala and she was starting to go the right way for us as far as growing a little bit And uh, Barry Berkelheimer he um, he had her broker for us and every time we saw him he said you know I kind of like the justify Philly so um We got her into Churchill and started progressing forward, and, you know, she really started to just handle everything we threw at her really easy, and was one that you could tell it's a natural ability, and, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, two-year-olds, it's, a lot of them make you start and stop, start and stop with just little issues, and she was one that just never hit a bump in the road, so marched right forward to the race at Ellis and, and that was intended just to give her a race because we said, you know, this thing's showing talent enough that we can take her to New York and run her in the two turn grass races and um mm. was really happy with her effort at Ellis, knowing that she probably wanted more ground and, and um probably a change in surface. So um the work before we left, she worked with a horse of ours named Key Golly who's Probably the most talented horse in our barn but just doesn't want to produce. So <laughs> when she she worked next to him and it did it in the manner that she did, you felt really confident putting her on the truck, sending her up there that hey, you know, this this thing could make me sick, take the same path Kidra did last year and just yeah. didn't have didn't have the fortune that we did with, with Kidra um Mother Nature bumped us the first time, and we ran on the dirt because she was working so well on it, but just didn't run a bad effort, but not, you know, didn't graduate that day, so we just, well, maybe the second time, just like Kidra, and, and just a hellacious trip, so we actually had the conversation that, um, you know, he would always joke throughout the year, Mr. Rigby. hey, Phil, you need, you know, you gotta take me back to Breeders' Cup, and, and um, you know, I'd tell him, well, we got played hard, we got these this buku, and maybe we can do it. And uh, mm-hmm. the conversation, well, I guess we're not going back to the Breeders' Cup and enter her in the maiden at, at Churchill. And her work going into that was absolutely awesome. So went into it with a lot of confidence that we did a few races before, and she finally put things together, had a perfect, you know, pocket trip and exploded down the lane. And that was the biggest thing for me that day was – the last sixteenth of a mile was sub six and then she rolled out through the turn like you know, she hadn't done anything. So um let the dust settle and basically realized that Jasmine was our last opportunity to run in Kentucky on the grass in a steak. And um she 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 told us that she was okay to try it, so we said why not? And the way she ran that day was was flattering that she can just take off the pace and run totally two different type of races and still produce the same result especially with the same type of finish so um that's that's the most exciting thing for me watching her and looking at her late pace numbers that wherever she's at she's going to punch i think in grass racing all the time you can go back and look at three or four horses and say well they didn't get the trip they got Whatever, so I think that's the key. Breeders' Cup. If we can get a little racing luck, she's going to give her a rally.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: Um, even if you're not good enough to win it, to run first, second, or third in that race is a big deal. And I think I think she can do it. You know, she's full of energy out of these two races back to back. And you know, if a horse is going to be dull, it'd be a time to be now. And she's certainly not. So wow. we don't really have to do a lot with her just keep her happy and, um, you know, we're excited to try.
0: Well, that's exciting.
3: Having a horse that's doing well, going in a Breeders' Cup like that with, you know, who knows how much potential. So that that's great. We'll be rooting for you for sure with that one. And then, um, uh, you mentioned, uh, Kijera or, or Kijera, I guess. Uh, tell us how to pronounce that once and for all, because I've heard it many, many different ways. So
4: that there, she's named after a safari down in South Africa that, um, Richard takes his family down there for photo safaris, and we actually asked the guy that kind of runs it, hey, how do you pronounce this? And it, it, it comes across to me as Kidra, you know. It's, Kidra, okay. Okay, you, well, you've replaced,
3: you yeah, heard okay. right yeah. from Phil Bauer, Kidra, Travis Stone, listen, all the other – uh announcers listen up kidger is how how it said well you know she's an incredible horse has an incredible turn of foot that she showed on the grass and then um looks like she might be even better on the dirt honestly um i mean it has to be exciting having options with a potential superstar like that um so we were looking looking at breeder's cup stuff before and it, it looks like she's a possible for the breeder's cup disc staff do you have um for sure plans with her right now
4: yeah, we actually just landed yesterday on the Mother Goose, I think. Okay. Our, our biggest concern was the sample size on the dirt. You know, mm-hmm. she, was, she was a good filly on the grass, but not an elite force that you can take. You know, I guess when we when we started off the year, our year-end goal was the QE2. Let's try it, grade one. And mm-hmm. she was running well, but her numbers weren't blowing you away. And so... You know, after I ran her at Saratoga in the the bog of a turf that it was, I was so mad at myself because she just came out of it, and and you could tell that that the race had really zapped her. And it took us about two weeks to just get her back to herself, and she started showing life, and, and we we got her back into a good work routine, and then we were kind of in limbo as far as timing for races, so mm-hmm. we brought her home, and, and the Seneca was there as an option, and. We nominated and looked at it, and you know, it was. We always have the conversation: "What? Going to try the dirt again?" Because she just works so well on it. And yeah. Certainly, certainly, never expected her to, to 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 do that and to run the type of number that she did was just awesome to see and almost embarrassing on my part to not put her back <laughs> on the dirt. But it's you know, it's one of those things that she's three. Let's do right by her. Kind of make a progression. Mm-hmm. Nothing wrong with winning a grade two if you're if you're able to do it. And then I think oh, yeah. long-term goal would be to come back home and try older in the fall city. Yeah. Maybe shut her down for a minute and just kind of regroup like we did with Plate Hard last year and come back with something. Maybe the in is a goal or something like that. But you know, I'd like to see her run it two races in a row on the dirt like that and then you can say she's real not that you want to discredit the the performance but i've seen it before where a horse can kind of freak and then they just don't return to that number and it was certainly one of those cases where she did freak i mean but the the satisfying thing is that the buyer the rag the, the time form they all match they're all huge numbers and a lot of times you'll get one that's big and the other ones that won't agree, but right. he ran a ragazin that's better than anything that's going into the distaff right now. So it was a long and hard conversation that mm-hmm. maybe if it was Keeneland and it was home, it would be a little easier to try. But I, I just think everything happened a little too late for us to just swing that hard. and Maybe we'll regret it, but we'll um, – We'll go to the Mother Goose confident. And yeah. See if we can't knock that out and see where she takes us after that.
3: Oh yeah, hundred percent. I, I totally understand, and I'm I'm excited to see where she goes from here. As you said, she's only three. She has a ton of potential. And I was there that day at Churchill on her dirt debut, and that was that was the best dirt race I saw all September meet hands down. So I, I can't wait to see I can't wait to see her again. Um you, you did mention played hard uh, a little bit ago and before I toss it back to Alan I just kinda wanted to ask you about her because I know she had she had a little bit of bad luck over the summer, wasn't able to run in a couple of potential spots. Um what's she doing currently and how's she doing? You know, she
4: she the injury bug bit her, she uh-huh. she um she got sick and then we, we changed course in in New York In her last brief she came out of it with with um, an injury in her right hind ankle, so she's oh, okay. she's been retired and um, she's currently at Denali with the rest of the broodmares that that Mr. Rigney has. So we haven't matched her with a stallion yet, but I imagine it'll be one in Curlin or Gunrunner or something like that. that oh wow! Uh, yeah, I I think that's um, you know, it was a hard pill to swallow there, but right. Yeah. It was, you know, she was a filly that was just so sound for us. And you knew right away out of the day after the breeze that that something was amiss. So Mm -hmm. we did, uh, we did some diagnostics and and there was just um, five-year-old kind of wear and tear that you can give her some time off and try again. But I think it would be kind of ignorant on our part if she didn't come back the same and and you're wasting. Sure. You're at a time frame in 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 a filly's life that, Six year old that kind of waste waste a breeding season with a grade one millionaire, it'd be kind of dumb. So, yeah, yeah, kind of turn the page to her next, next stop is Broodmare. And uh, I think she's going to make a heck of a one if she throws her desire and then her physical. She's going to have beautiful babies. So, oh, definitely. Yeah, just
3: such a gamer, you know, she was such a tough, tough fighter.
4: Yeah, no, and she's fast and Mm -hmm. it's, um, excited to see what she can produce for us. I think we're getting to the point at the sales market that um, just to give an example of her, you you want to buy a gun runner or Curlin or heck even even something you know fifty thousand dollars stud fee out of a grade one winning millionaire, you're looking at half a million plus. So oh yeah, you big to- time. To be able to make them now is going to be a huge step for us as far as the, the entire program that we'll be able to evaluate all the, the foals and when, when they're yearlings, if, if we want to take them to market, we can. But if, if we can't find one as good as that, I think we're going to get into the position where we'll be able to keep some and it'll you know, help us a lot that uh, we can make them instead of buy them.
3: Very cool. Awesome. Well, everybody be on the lookout for those played hard babies. It sounds like she's going to be going to some, some top stallions and making some runners for sure. All right. Um, appreciate it. Phil, I'm going to uh, toss it over to Alan. You have anything, Alan?
1: Yeah. This top stallion will take over for a moment here. Um, I <laughs> want to talk about obviously Mr. Rigney. I mean, we'd be remiss not to mention him. Uh, but before we do, I think Jeff let off with football and you're, uh, you're a big little fan. Unfortunately, uh, Phil, I'm a big Kentucky fan. Of Kentucky football fan, and I admire the work Jeff Broms done. Are you guys gonna? You guys are gonna beat us this year, aren't
4: you? I sure hope so. You know, <laughs> y'all you you all seem to own us. You know, I'm a St. X graduate too, and it got St. X Trinity rivalry got to be not much of a rivalry for a few years. That's how it feels with Kentucky the last few years. So hopefully we can uh, get back in the win column and, and make things a little enjoyable for Louisville fans to watch. Last year was. Quite disappointing. So, yeah. if I was you,
1: yeah, if I was you, I'd take some that played hard money or some that could year money and stick it on Louisville. They're they're going to beat us this year. <laughs> I've already resigned myself to it. And speaking of Trinity, uh, I know. I mean, I'm sorry, St. X. You went to St. X. Big football school. You kind of have that Trinity linebacker type look to you. Did you happen to play football for St. X?
4: It's funny. When I was a freshman, I was about four eleven and 135 pounds. I went out for football and I. I looked around, and I said, there's no way, and uh, I ended up running cross-country and getting down to about 112 pounds, and I wrestled for the for uh, a year, and then that was about it for my sports career at St. X. I, I hit a growth spurt maybe mid-sophomore to junior year, now I'm about 6 foot and 190 pounds, so just growth spurt came a little too late for me to compete in those St. X sports, but... Um, hopefully my kids can make up for it. Yeah, you said they you told us all fair that they're at football practice, it sounds like you're raising them
1: right there to me. Uh let's get to Mr. Rigney. Um he's your he's your owner, he's your guy, right? And reading about him, of course I knew a little bit about him anyway, but reading a little bit more about him, uh he seems like I'm trying to think of the right adjectives and stuff. And if he listens this, is, I hope he can correct me on some of them. He seems obviously very generous, number one, right? Yeah. And like a larger than life character who pretty much lives life to the fullest. I mean, just from what little I read, there's shark dives, there's safaris, uh he drives tanks. I mean, I, this is just from the three minutes I did research. Um uh, and now he's winning big races right and left. I mean, I, I he's not like a great guy to hang with. I don't think I could hang with him. Uh seems like he's uh sounds like he has a lot of fun, doesn't he?
4: He really does. You know, it's it's funny. He's um there's people that are young but they're old in heart and there's some people that are just older that they they're just you don't think of them as old as they are and um that's like Mr. Rigney. He he plays hard and he lives life to the fullest and it's it's a guy that um Constantly just wants to have a good time and um you know, I think I think when he goes people will be able to say, Well hell he did about everything you can do and um you know, I think that's the thing about horse racing that's so appealing to him. It's a guy that's done almost all that you can do, horses are just so uncontrollable and to to reach the pinnacle of, of certain races and stuff it's it's a feeling that really you can't replicate and it's i think that's what's so contagious about horse racing is is the thrill of victory uh winning at every level's fun but winning winning at the top level is just you know you really can't replicate it and i think once you do it you just it's addicting and you want to keep doing it so he 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 he's jumped both feet into it and he swings hard at it and it's really starting to come to fruition every his long-term goal is starting to come together i think the last piece is is the breeding side and you'll see in the next i think two years that this the rigney racing will be breeding you know top dollar yearlings in market and, and hopefully you know we got our first graded steak homebred uh with buku and, and you know that he was kind of a bit of a surprise for us, so I think the ones that are even more well-intended out of the mares that, that have kind of come through the racing program and produced, we're 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 extremely excited. And, uh, Mr. Rigney shares that. And it's, um, you know, it's exciting and it's fun, and he is just the guy that certainly. Um, I don't want to say he's like a little kid, but I mean he's just gung ho. I mean it, it when September's creeping up you can see him just getting excited about the <laughs> sales and then you know, it's just well, he's I, I don't easy. know if y'all have been to Aqueduct lately, but you know, he can't wait to fly up there for the mother goose and it's and it's not a place of destination for a race fan anymore, unfortunately. But yeah. you know, he's he's game and he's I guess that's really how you gotta describe him.
1: You know, and it's, so now we've, we've actually learned a little bit. If we've learned nothing else, we see where the names of these horses come from, right? Kajiri the Safari, and then Played Hard. We went, that's what he does, right? I'm guessing Clayton the Lionheart and Angkor and all these other guys probably have a little bit of a
4: uh, – there's, really, there's probably a story behind them all. Some some are a little more domestic than others, but, I mean, it's – anchors from a, a, a trip he went on, I think, to – I think the Philippines or something. It's the largest temple in the world. Oh. So Angkor is a, I mean, it's massive. I don't think it's in existence. I mean, they don't use it anymore, but it's an ancient temple. And then Buku is actually, from from his business side of flavoring stuff, it's a plant that's used in flavoring peach drinks and stuff. So flowering peach being the mother, he had that pegged. <laughs>
1: Yeah, this all makes sense now. So I yes. guess when, I know you and you and here pretty tight too. It goes beyond just the ownership. So the the obvious question: Have you been on any shark dives with them? Have you shot a bazooka in, in I Russia? Have,
4: I have not, but I've been invited this year. So our last year, we took a trip to Australia for the the um, the Magic Millions horse sale on the Gold Coast there, and um, I was fortunate enough to be invited to go to that, and we. Bought a couple horses over there. That's in training, and um, he's invited me to go back this year, but to an additional part of the trip to Lizard Island, which is up north, I think the northeast top corner of Australia by the Great Barrier Reef. And my wife and I uh, just completed our scuba certification to go scuba diving with him. So we're we're thrilled, and it's been um, something that we're excited about that you know obviously this how he treats us daily but uh, to be uh invited on a trip like this is just i mean you can't make it up
1: that's that's awesome he's again i I wasn't just making it up cuz I enjoy he he sounds amazing he sounds like a lot of fun and I know his generosity is a second and none so have fun in australia okay that sounds like that sounds if you can't go one of us will be
4: sure to step in for you okay there so, you go. yeah you know, it, it's certainly a blast uh, he really is. What, what you read about him is is, is who he is, and um, I, I just I think i thank thankful hey. every day that I um, was able to come across him and he uh, to become a business partner with.
1: him. If he can slow down long enough, he's got an open invite, open invite to come on this worldwide podcast of ours or whatever. We'd love to have him. Um, you know, before I I, I'm, I don't want to take too much time but I actually did want to talk about the way you were viewed by us fans of the game, us horse players. And and I'll tell you how I view you. Okay. It seems like of late you win like 75% of races. It seems like every horse that you put in is well-intended when they run, they always seem to run well, whether they're intended to get a start or whether they're ready to roll when they win. I mean, they win impressively. Right. I kind of, I think I may have mentioned you very briefly off air. You're kind of in, you remind me of that, like a male Cherie DeVoe right now. Like if you're a horse player or a fan, anytime you see one of your horses in a race, you know it's well bred, it's well taken care of, and that at any time this horse is going to fire, it's always going to pay like fifteen, eighteen dollars somehow. Um, I know that's a byproduct of the horse that you have, the relationship you have with Mr. Rigney, but it really has been an amazing year, and your horses are firing right and left, right?
4: Yeah, no, it's 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 been it's been a lot of. of uh excitement and fun um it's it's something that um i mean you look at our first five years and it it couldn't get much worse than that and it's really you know i used to be a guy that would look around and say man how are these guys doing it and all this stuff and patience when when it's it's patience but it, it it really i'm telling you it really boils down to the athlete and you got to manage the athlete the right way, but you still got to have have the stable full of them. And you know we had one or two trickle in there our first few years, but now it's it's the majority, and it's 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 exciting, and it's and it's a lot of credit goes to Mr. Moynihan for for selecting them at the yearling sale. I mean, this guy, you look back at his BPs, and, and he made made some empires with Bob and Beverly Lewis, and then now Stone Street and we're fortunate enough to be a part of his his um, his his work, and you know he he um, he's a guy a lot like Richard with the excitement for the game that um, it's kind of second to none for for as long as they've been in it. So it's I, I'm just extremely fortunate that you know you're hanging bridles on some horses that are just absolute scorpions, and it's um, to to go to like go to the september sale and and raise your hand against some some other top outfits and able to out- outbid them. and you know not everybody's that fortunate and it's um something that i I realize that I'm truly lucky and certainly it's it's um it's been a lot of fun the last few years having these horses in the barn and and certainly you can see where they're taking us so um Definitely some more to come too. I mean we're real excited about some horses that hadn't made starts and um some horses that have made one or two that look like they could be the real deal. So it's just it's very, very, very exciting that kind of the next three to four years I think looking you don't want to get too ahead of yourself and all that stuff, but just with the crops this most recent yearling crop that we bought you know, you always want to kind of evaluate them before you you know too much about them, just based on how you felt after what you did. and We felt like we got a lot of quality this year, and certainly our two-year-olds from last year. We've only had a chance to run a few, and, you know. Hopefully, there's some good ones that that we haven't run. So,
1: well, there definitely is more to come from you, and hopefully, you pass some of these names of these uh, superstars and waiting on to us. But there are also more to come from my pal CC here. And uh, he's going to take the mic, uh C-Sizzle.
0: I apologize if this was already brought up, but uh, I think I read, Phil, that you were a babysitter for, for uh, one of Richard Klein's children. Is that, is that correct?
4: My, my sister originally was like a summertime nanny. So they lived in the same neighborhood as us for a few years. And uh, during the summer, my sister Julie was kind of, the, the day-to-day nanny, and then once she quit, she didn't quit, but once she moved off to college and stuff, there was some, some nights where they needed a babysitter, and I was able to, to help out, but, but Richard, uh, he kind of um, got me my first job on the backside with Steve Margolis um, as a hot walker, I bumped into him at the track on Mother's Day one day, and uh, was kind of in limbo, trying to figure out what I wanted to do, and you know, that it was kind of like one of those movie scenes where the elevator opened and he was standing in there and we got on and I just said, said you know, he said, basically, how you doing, everything, all that? And, you know, I was asked him if he could maybe reach out to Mr. Margolis and see if he could give me a job. And a week later, I was walking hots on the backside and bussing tables at night at Texas Roadhouse. And um, I guess... I guess I was there maybe three months and uh, my uncle was working the office for Kenny McPeak in Lexington and they needed hot, warm bodies at Saratoga and um I jumped in the truck and drove up there without even meeting anybody and um split a room that uh night with one of their exercise riders at a local motel and um just started grooming up there and Worked my way back to Churchill as a foreman and an assistant. And then that's where I ran across Mr. Rigney. And uh, he reached a point where he kind of wanted to do his own thing. He was doing some partnerships and then had a few horses of his own with Richard and just realized he wanted to kind of go in his own direction and offered me a job. And that was kind of how I got to be where I am in a nutshell.
0: How many years did you work as uh just a a stable hand or assistant or or something like that before you before you actually went out on your own
4: I was with Kenny for 5 years and the grooming you know was probably I don't know 4 to 6 months and uh, then they grabbed me and put me in a shed row f- position uh for I want to say about 2 years and then um I was assistant for about Two or three years for
0: them. so all these years later now you, you your stables rolling you you're, you're winning races uh, you know outside of a triple crown or a Breeders' cup are, are there goals that you have maybe winning a trainer's title or is there a certain race that you you'd like to win or, or something like that what what's what's on your radar that's something that's attainable for you
4: you know i I think I take a lot of pride in the, the owner's titles because I'll never be a guy that's able to compete for a training title just based on numbers. I don't have the numbers to make the starts. But we have been able to win four four owner titles um at Churchill and and those those mean a lot. And um you know I I think kind of a, a goal, short-term goal for us is to win a stake at Saratoga. It's such a special venue that um, to be able to win a, a black-type race up there would, would be exciting. You know, obviously your Oaks and your Derbies, um, but it's it's really just gotten to the point where they've gone from just dreams to possible reality winning, winning these types of races. And so I think now you can kind of realistically – Hope to win, you know. Obviously, Grade Ones anywhere. Once now that we have one, it seems like that's kind of what you want to taste again. But you know, it's it's fun just just winning any type of black race. We we uh, we had a, a filly that we ran in Indiana for years. Her name was Flat Fireball Baby, and she was crowned um, horse sired horse of the year a couple times, and that was very very satisfying so you know i think it all depends on the situation or the horse and, and all that good stuff but you know at, at this point I, I think if i had to say what's the, the shortest term other than the breeder's cup and, and your big oaks races and all that stuff i think i think just the stake race at saratoga would be pretty cool
0: so i want to ask you about a few of the the runners in your stable uh a little Prankster won an allowance race the other day. That's a pretty impressive effort. She didn't have the best of starts, but she did, you know, ultimately run down her competition and win an allowance race. I think maybe it was last week. Uh, what's uh, what's next for a Little Prankster? you think she could possibly compete in Stakes Company at some point?
4: Yeah, I think that's, you know, you got to, you know, she's three. You ought to try it before it's too late. Um there's there's um uh, an older sprint stake at Churchill that we'll we we'll kinda eyeball but she's um probably one that will point towards some type of three year old deal. Um she kinda drives me crazy with that start. She just wants to we, we worked on her hard at Saratoga because she was flat footed in that race and she just seems to do it in every start that her steps 1 and 2 just aren't explosive but after that she can really fly so it's it's one of those things if she would break she would be that much better but certainly still a really nice filly in her own right so yeah I think by the end of the year we'll like to get some black type for her to try and um, I think you know she's run pretty consistent numbers the last three so she's, she's run numbers that are good enough to do it at the right level especially against three year olds so yeah I think that That'll be within the next one or two starts. It's it's hopefully a black type start.
0: And then you've got a really nice filly named Twirling Good Time that broke her maiden at Churchill on September 27th. Uh, Daughter of Twirling Candy, and she looks like the sky's the limit for her as well. Uh, Probably maybe you thinking of stretching her out next time, uh, stakes company again?
4: Yeah, we looked at uh, there's a three-quarter steak at the end of the Keeneland meet on the 28th, and then the very next day is the um,
0: uh, Rags to Riches.
4: Yeah, the Rags to Riches at Churchill. Yeah. So, We've nominated to both. I think we're leaning towards going ahead and stretching her out. She's the type that physically looks like she can do it and, and, and kind of been training her to, to do it. So I think the, the year-end goal for her is the goldenrod. And um, we've never had a horse doing what she did, breaking her maiden. And it was our first TDN Rising Star. And the the, the number that she ran and the time that she ran was just phenomenal. So she's certainly one that, you know, you, you look to, you know, in the next, next May and, and uh, the Kentucky Oaks, but certainly a lot of time in between. But definitely one that we've kind of just – Set some high, high hopes for, her, but she she bounced out of that race great. She had a nice drill this past weekend, and she'll have one more probably Saturday going into that Sunday race. So um, definitely excited about her.
0: And last question before I turn it over to Brandon, I, I assume you're going to fairgrounds this winter. Maybe have a w- would you have a string in Oaklawn, or or how are you how are you going to divide things up this uh, this winter?
4: You know, this year we have a lot of. Two year olds that are just getting geared up. You know, we caught a bunch of speed bumps over the summer that we didn't have a lot of horses ready to run in October. So, I, I def would definitely put a stall lap in for for fairgrounds, and then we'll probably leave some here. um The last year was the first year they left the spectrum open in a while, and it worked well for us. We were able to break a couple maidens at Turfway, so. Um, They'll be split between here and, and New Orleans. And then, obviously, we'll eyeball races at Oakland and anywhere else that we can ship and run in. But, um, you know, we'll keep keep the a, a barn close to home. And then New Orleans seems to be a good, good place to prep these horses, so, especially with the meat. You know, the way it ends at the end of March, it allows us to come home and compete at Keeneland and Churchill like we like to do. So that's 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 where we're headed this winter.
0: Perfect. Good luck to you going forward here. Brandon, i turn it over to you. Hey,
2: Philip. So, you know, I guess just to give our listeners a little perspective, you know, you have one owner, one, one, or two bosses, your wife and Mr. Rigney, right? Yes. <laughs> so well, Richard
4: won't say he's my boss. He'll say I, he's, I'm his partner. So, yeah, I guess I, I got one boss.
2: <laughs> good, good. Maybe it's always best with just one, but, uh, uh, just currently, you know, what what is your barn size like? How many how many runners are in the barn? How many are kind of doing layups right now? And then uh, what's kind of your golden numbers if you had you know your your choice? We we've
4: kind of worked our way up. It, it, so Churchill's our own base. We try and run hard at those meets and and uh, focus on. Just our home track is Churchill, so we've kind of worked our way up to to the allotment of twenty eight stalls there in barn thirty. That's the whole barn on the back side of Churchill. So um, currently, we only have about twenty four in there. Uh, just ran hard all summer up to Saratoga and whatnot. So Ludwig got a break and, and stuff like that. But it's um, we we fluctuate between. 24 and 30 horses depending on where we're at if we're in split stables we can increase size a little bit but uh, we're usually capped out around 28 to 30 if we can get a couple of overflow at Churchill but that's kind of the numbers we operate with and uh, just it, it seems to kind of work over the winter we'll we'll give a lot of horses you know 60 to 90 day breaks and then get them rolling again for the spring Usually, our first quarter is our weakest, but it's by design and um you know this year might be a little different just because of the numbers that we'll hopefully have to run to get geared up for the spring with, with these two year olds coming into form
2: yeah and and you know when they're not in the stable at Churchill and other tracks, just depending on the year, where do you like to have your horses go to Take a breather, or a respite and, and come back fresh. Where do you have a preferred bar or a farm that you go to or
4: so we, we got a mom and pop farm here in Mount Washington, Kentucky. Actually, um uh, she's got a famous pony on the backs um uh, that the race is Harley. The big yeah. white, black so Monty is her name and Monty goats and she does such a wonderful job rehabbing these horses. It's, she's got a little farm over there in Mount Washington and um gives them a lot of TLC and puts a lot of weight back on them and that's what I kind of like that you have some meat on the bone when they come back in and you can there's a hardiness to them she's she doesn't baby them and that's she does a great job for us and um, she's kind of been our go-to the last few years and it's worked really well she had you know barn full of steak horses over the winter with plate hard and kidra and all that stuff so she's they're in good hands out there, and um, they come back in and ready to to kind of get back to work. She's got she she's able to do a little bit with them to kind of get get some air in her lungs. There's no tack put on them, but got a jogging wheel and stuff like that. So they they have a little bit of work in them when they come back in, and so we're we're kind of up to breezing within a month, and it it's been it's worked out well for us.
2: Yeah, and I guess if if our listeners have ever seen Harley at Churchill and uh think at Keeneland too, right? I don't I don't know. Yeah, but, she she
4: she runs the ponies. The whole a lot of those ponies are all hers that she does in the post parade in Keeneland and Keeneland at Churchill. So.
2: Yeah, I don't know how to describe Harley, but but size wise, like I mean, how big is that he's horse?
4: A, he's a draft horse of some kind. Uh, I'm not sure what. Yeah, his, his foot's about as big as my head. And, yeah, uh, he actually made a briar of them, so that was pretty huh. cool to get some recognition like that.
2: Yeah, yeah. And I think they even sell like uh, figurines at some of the gift shops too. But uh, yeah, gosh, now it's got me off my train of thought. That was pretty funny. Well, uh, I guess my only last question I had for you, and this is more on the politics side and the governance side of the game, you know. What is what is one thing that you would like to see changed or modified that you don't think is favoring the game right now? Whether it's hisa or uh, the stewards' reviews or uh, even the the tote system, the camera angles, the finish line. I, I don't know. What is what is a, a pet peeve or you would like to see changed within the game? Uh,
4: to me. The most frustrating thing um, the last couple years has been this public perception uh, clause that everybody's using. Um, to me, you're never going to make – if someone – I don't know how to put this, but you're never going to make somebody like horse racing that doesn't want to like it, if that makes sense, I guess. it's
2: Yeah, yeah. You, you, somebody
4: that doesn't like horse racing, you're never going to convince them to like it. It's it's uh, you're fighting a losing battle, and if it's their prerogative to to end it, I don't think you need to appeal to them. It's you're wasting energy. You need to focus on the people that are coming to the races every day, that are betting on the races every day, and and to me, you know, all you guys. You're huge racing fans. You, you're in it because you love it. We're, we're we are the ones that that need to stick together, and I think the tracks are losing course with that and trying to appeal to a general public that that not to say they don't matter, but they're gonna cause more harm than good bringing them to the table and involving them in decisions. I think it's. Um, I think we have a great game, and I think there's been some changes made for safety that are good and and whatnot. But I think at the end of the day, you need to have people in positions making decisions that are fans of the game, that are owners of the game, that have skin in the game. Because if they don't, then their decisions aren't going to be made from a beneficial standpoint to people that depend on the game and it's, you know, you can, I can stand there and tell somebody how to, 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 to run a grocery store, but I don't know the ins and outs of it. And if I'm going to make the rules of how to do it, I'm certainly probably not going to benefit it. So it's, it's, um it's something that I think, you know, Rapoli brought it up the other day that the owners need to take control. And it's, it's basically, I think a lot of that, that mentality is correct and that if you're going to be there making rules about the sport you need to be involved in the sport and not just somebody that's trying to tell the sport what to do if that makes any sense
2: no, that's well said and yeah we all believe in those i think everybody on the podcast would believe in what you just said and well you know thanks for saying that and and Hopefully, you know, a lot of ears will hear this and do some good, even if it takes one or two people. And uh, you know, I, I guess my last question, so we'll we'll soften it up a little bit. Uh, where's your favorite track to win at? And then the second one, is there anybody that you just love to beat out there when you're racing? If it's a trainer or an owner, and it's a fun rivalry. Do you have any kind of rivalry out there between between any other barn or any other trainer or uh, just somebody that you just love to beat from time to time?
4: Yeah. I don't – I mean, I I think it just boils down to loving to win. I think uh, I'd love to beat anybody that's in the race. And, and when the race is over, you know, there's there's been a lot of people that supported me and Mr. Rigney that you almost – if you if you get beat by them, you're almost happy the, to some degree. Once once you, the original thought of defeat is over, that you know you're just happy for them winning. But uh, I, I don't necessarily think that, you know that there's people I target that say you know it feels good to beat them. I I mean maybe your big time outfits that are just so powerful. I think it's just yeah yeah you know, I like beating beating somebody that's unbeatable, but. um,
2: yeah, it's like David versus
4: Goliath. You know, exactly, yeah. Uh, no, I think it, you know, it's fun, like you know, I think one of the, the few of the owners titles that we've won, we've been able to nose out Judmont and Godolphin and then you look at the magnitude of those outfits and then you look at our twenty eight stall barn and you just you know, put a smile on your face that you're able to do it. Yeah, they're diluted by running yeah. a lot of tracks but they're still extremely powerful. Empire and the industry, and to, to kind of to beat them to the wire. It's it's certainly gratifying, and you know I think it's um, as far as the tracks. It always feels good to win at home at Churchill, but you know Saratoga's way up there. That that place is a special place, and um, you know I think I think those two would be best. Keeneland's fun too, but it's just home, and then. I would have to say Saratoga is my favorite track, just the mornings especially. It's it's kind of a
2: yeah. place like it. I get it. That's cool. Well,
3: I'm going to turn it back to Jeff and appreciate it, Phil.
4: Oh, thank you.
3: Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, Phil, before we close things out, um, Kevin Kirstein is my good friend, and I I guess he's my cousin-in-law. I guess, I don't know. He's married to my cousin. But I texted him letting him know that you'd be joining us tonight. So, first of all, I can't believe you actually agreed to take him to an Eagles game because he is crazy about any Philly sports. But um, he also said, I have to ask you about your pet pig. So what's the story on
4: that? So we – Ashley and I got married in 2011, and um, we she had a a cat that she had had forever, so, you know, she was kind of elusive and whatnot, and we're driving up I-65 to Indiana Grand one day, and there was a semi-full of baby pigs. <laughs> she she went nuts over them, and I'm like, you know, I thought it was cute, whatever. And so, Two days later, my sister shows me these micro pigs that are getting popular, and I thought, "Well, hell, I'll give her a, a micro pig for her birthday." And <laughs> so about a year later, this micro pig's not a micro pig anymore, and now we're going on just twelve years. And she's about eighty pounds. <laughs> oh my gosh! And uh, just a grumpy old pig and. Her name's Miss Betty, and she is um, she's something special you know we we're lucky to have about an acre fenced in behind our house that she we can kick her out in and whatnot and as long <laughs> as it's warm, she'll spend her days out there, but she hates it when it's cold and she grumps around the house toinking and stuff so she's i don't know if we'll ever get another pig after her, but um certainly one of those life experiences that you just look back and say what the hell was that doing but <laughs> that is amazing <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> not so
3: many that is wonderful all right well uh thank you so much for joining us tonight phil um i mean we can't wait to see where your barn goes from here you're definitely on the on the upswing the sky's the limit and we'll be rooting on buku in the breeder's cup and uh Kidjera, I think I said that right, and the Mother right. Goose as well, and uh, all the other rising stars in your barn. So thank you so much for taking some time. I know you're a busy man, but really appreciate it.
4: Guys, I enjoyed it. I appreciate it. Nice to talk to fans of the sport.
1: Thank you,
0: Phil. Okay, that was Phil Bauer, private trainer for the powerful Rigney Racing Barn. I like that interview a whole lot. He's down to earth.
1: He is. He's like he lives by me and he's making bank, right? He's, he, his horse is winning tons of money. And did you guys agree with one of the, one of the things I mentioned, and I'm sure you guys probably feel this way. He's a guy that you, when you look, open the program and you see his name beside his horse, you know, you're going to get, you know what you're getting from Phil Bauer, right? From his, from his horses. Uh, you, you, you just know that you're going to get that, that solid effort every time. And if that horse is ready, he's not going to win. He's going to win impressively. Is that, do y'all feel that way?
0: Most definitely. Yeah. I've been including him in, in – that, that barn's going so well right now. I'll just include him in any type of horizontal wager just uh, just just for the hell of it, even if, you know, even if I don't really care for the horse.
1: And if when they win, they look good winning, don't they? You know, I mean, I mean, there's no doubt usually when hit when his horses wins. So uh, he's doing a great job, and really it really is. So I'm thrilled to have him on. Really nice guy.
3: Yeah, twenty four percent is not an easy number to hit.
1: I thought it was more than that. It feels like it's more than that, and maybe it's because most of the wins have come in the second half of the year. But I said seventy five percent. I stick by it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, Brandon, we're we're glad you could join us this evening. Glad you could take <laughs> time out of your busy schedule. Yeah.
2: Well, uh, I'm thrilled to be going to Keeneland for the first time. I hope uh, this week. Uh, I can only go for two or three hours, but it's worth it. I've, I've been itching to go since opening day. And, uh, but man, Phil was a great addition to the pod tonight. Really down to earth, uh, humble individual. And, but he, he's earned it. You know, he's, it's that to hear him tell us, go, you know, he's gone through years of, you know, really tough times and then come out of it is really just a wonderful, wonderful thing that hard work does
1: pay off. Well said.
0: All right. Well, I think that's a good note to end things on.
1: I agree. Let's wrap it up.
0: On behalf of our guest, Phil Bauer, Alan Schneider's here, Jeff Riggs, Brandon Jaggers, and myself, reminding you in the words of the leader, our leader, Jerry Romans. We're not happy until you're not happy. I forgot how it goes.
1: That sounds good enough. We'll we'll go with that.
0: All right.
2: Good night all.